Welcome to Encountering Empowerment. I'm your host, Empowerment Coach Victoria Jocko, here to teach you how to reclaim your personal power so that you can feel like the bad bitch you are, using my proven formula. Personal agency is your birthright, and no matter where life has taken you, it's not too late to tap into it, and I'm here to help you do it. Hello, my lovelies. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with my friend, Rainbow Warrior, who is just the most talented, multifaceted human ever. Um, They are a guide, Reiki master, multimedia creator, and curiosity coach. Um, They specialize in bringing vivid visions to life, whether that vision is an article of clothing, a painting, or a goal you want to see yourself achieve, which is mainly what we're going to be discussing today in the realm of polyamory and non-monogamy. We're going to be discussing boundaries, um, values, jealousy, how to navigate all of that. Um, It's a really amazing episode. I hope you enjoy it. If you want to get in touch with Rainbow, everything will be linked in the show notes. Um, And as a little disclaimer, the audio quality on this episode is a little bit different than usual um, because we were, I I got the pleasure of sitting down with them personally. (laughs) And so I laugh very loudly. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) I couldn't help it. It was just such a good, such a good time. So I do apologize for that. Um, Just be weary, especially in the beginning. You might want to turn it down a smidge right after this intro. Um, Because I am really fucking loud. So, (laughs) enjoy. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) I was going to say, back again. I know. We had some technical issues. My computer just like took complete shit on me. So we are starting over and it's a real bummer because it was so cute. It was so good. It was so good. Was there so were so good. many good moments and I think we were talking for like 20 minutes and it's just, <laughs> alas, here we are. It's fine. <laughs> Happens. <laughs> but um, tell us who you are and what you do, please. Um, I am Rain or Rainbow or Bow. I go by many names. And I wear many hats. My primary hat is I'm a curiosity coach. Um, I help people engage with their curiosity in a way that allows them to stay mindful and kind of themselves and others. Mm-hmm. I am a multimedia creator. I work in about 30 different mediums, depending upon where I uh, you know, get the most dopamine from in that moment. <laughs> uh, I also am a Reiki master, an Oracle card reader, and I work in a bunch with a bunch of different um, event promotion companies across the Twin Cities to help bring more safety and safe spaces to shows and events. Mm -hmm. I love that. When we first recorded this, I didn't know that um, Rainbow was a curiosity coach. I thought they were just a relationship coach. (laughs) And I had this really wonderful reaction that you guys don't get to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, because I had primarily, like you had asked me on this podcast to talk about um, alternative relationship styles, yes. most specifically non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really, for the first, the beginning of my business, that was really how I identified as was I, I labeled myself as an interpersonal and personal coach. And then the more I started working within that, I started realizing that even 
when a lot of my clients come to me for relationship, particularly non-monogamous relationship guidance, the work that I'm actually doing with them is the work of engaging in their curiosity so that they can consciously choose the values that they wish to take forward. Because the way that we show up in our relationships is so heavily impacted by how we have been taught and how we have been socialized. Completely. And so the, the title of personal and interpersonal coach just really didn't um, sit with me as, as truly what I'm doing. And so then I love the alliteration of curiosity coach. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm all about alliteration. <laughs> all about alliterations. Um, but it's also something where, and I'm grateful this is coming to my mind now because I didn't bring this up in our first run of this. <laughs> um, but it's also a primary reason why I choose non-monogamy. Mm. Because I'm curious about the way I function and non-monogamy is an arena for me to, you know, in some ways, like constantly be challenged yes. to, to oh have God, things yeah. come up. It's a lot of poking at bruises I didn't know were there. Uh -huh. um, but also it's why I'm non-monogamous because I am so curious about other people, mm -hmm. about how they interact, how they show up in the world, how I can interact with them. Mm -hmm. And it's also why I'm a coach because that curiosity comes from a place of deep love for just an individual person. Like not specific individual person, just the individual person. For a long time, um, my artist statement was, I'm an artist who believes that the individual is beautiful and society is a raging dumpster fire. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's since passed. I am less angsty. But, but, but the, the sentiment remains the same, uh -huh. that I have so much love for individuals to the point where I have devoted my life to helping them release themselves from the society that harms them. Mm -hmm. I honestly couldn't have said it better. That is perfect on point for all the things that I do as well. <laughs> yes. And my reasonings for being polyamorous as well like mm -hmm. I am curious about people and relationships and I love being in relationship with people and mm -hmm. it's just so much fun and I, I I've had you in the back of my head too when I'm like dealing with poly stuff I'm just mm -hmm. like why is this happening in my brain right now <laughs> which like I'm a coach so I do that anyway but yeah. like sometimes it's more difficult when like you're in the feelings and you're like mm -hmm. I don't I don't want to be curious right now. Yes. Like I just want to be angry about this or sad or like have, I want to feel justification for this thing. Mm -hmm. And instead I'm like, no, like let's think about what, what is it? Is there a boundary being violated? Is there a value that's like mm -hmm. not in alignment? Like what's actually going on? Or are you just hurt about something? Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it could be a combination of things. Right. But like, what I found for myself is that a lot of the jealousy I experience is not typically because of boundary violations mm -hmm. or values not being honored. It's more so like, I'm just hurt about this thing and I want to try to control the situation. Yes. And yeah. I want to protect myself by controlling the situation. Yeah. Which is unfortunately how we've been trained to navigate relationships is from a place of protection instead of curiosity. Yeah, completely. And, and like co-creation. I think that's the really coolest thing about polyamory. A lot of people also use the term designer relationships um, or relationship anarchy, not in the term of like no rules, but in the term of 
questioning what's put out mm-hmm. and crafting your own. Mm-hmm. Tiger. <laughs> I think that's a really good distinction to make though, because I know for myself, when I have heard about relationship anarchy, it's like no rules that anything goes. Like I've had that in my mind, mm-hmm. which isn't even what real anarchy is about, right? Yeah, like yeah, the yeah, whole, yeah. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think what the story we've been told of anarchy. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Another social conditioning. (laughs) It's an onion. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's really important for people to hear. Um, So, because, okay, so when I went to my coach, I was having struggles with my relationship. Mm -hmm. And that was like the reason I sought out my coach, one of them. But the main one, that was the most uh, pressing issue. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing, like the first breakthrough that I had with him, he, all he said to me was like, you're not honoring your autonomy in this situation. And I was like, excuse me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. what? Mm -hmm. You're so right. And so because I, like, I wasn't honoring it because I had this idea of what relationships were supposed to look like or polyamory was supposed to look like. And I didn't realize like I was allowed to design my mm-hmm. own relationship and mm-hmm. make it whatever the fuck I wanted because I wanted to be the most ethical and like mm-hmm. the most woke poly person mm-hmm. you know but like you know what is woke? whatever that's a different conversation but like it's a journey not a not a, a way of right yes like to become woke mm-hmm. is to remain curious to find your humility when you're called to be corrected when you're when you have a growth moment to allow yourself to both feel but not act from the feeling mm-hmm. like it's so important when we are when we have harm done or have harm perceived mm-hmm. that we honor the emotion without acting on the emotion itself um and that's one of the things that comes up a lot in polyamory particularly around jealousy for sure is uh, a lot of people say, you know, like, oh, I would never be able to be polyamorous. I'm too jealous of a person. Yeah. Which, you know what? If you don't want to be polyamorous because it brings up too much for you, that's fine. I think that's valid. I th- I mean, <laughs> knowing what I have gone through with jealousy and like that shit sucked and I'm a very self-aware person and mm-hmm. very like dedicated to personal growth and mm-hmm. development. And I could not imagine not being that person and then going through what I went through because it was fucking hellish like it is hard so I do think it's valid that people don't want to like put themselves into like the war zone of being triggered like it's right in your face yes and I I do work with monogamous people too because then that's why again why I shifted to being a curiosity coach Mm -hmm. because the act the the core value of polyamory and, and why people choose it is because they are choosing the values. They're choosing the relationships that they want. And you don't have to be non-monogamous to do that. You can be in a monogamous relationship and consciously choose how you want that relationship to look. I know a lot of people who are monogamous who are like, you know what? I don't want to sleep in the same bed as you. Mm-hmm. Or I only want to see you X amount of times a week. Or I don't mm-hmm. want to cohabitate with you. Yes. And why is that bad or wrong or like weird or mean that the relationship is dysfunctional Mm -hmm. that's like the first thing that my brain even goes to even though I know it's wrong it's just social conditioning of like this is what relationships are supposed to look like Mm -hmm. 
but I don't have, like, you don't have to choose that if you don't want to. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. I say it's taught, not chosen. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Because, I mean, it it could be right for someone. I just want them to choose it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Consciously choosing this. Yes. Like, (laughs) choose monogamy. Yes. If you're going to be monogamous. And, And just know that that's a want that you have or a need that you have instead of going with what you've been told Mm -hmm. or it being a reaction to certain emotions Mm -hmm. or like or an effort of control Uh uh-huh yes to control how you feel and your partner and all that kind of stuff and also for um security monogamy a lot of people talk about how um they would feel insecure knowing Mm -hmm. that their partner is having other people or other partners or what have you Mm -hmm. um and that's something I coach my clients on a lot too. Mm-hmm. Security comes from within your relationship mm-hmm. and deeper onion <laughs> within your relationship with yourself. Yes. Yes. My coach um, had, had a very iconic line of inse- when you feel insecure, you're outsourcing your security. And that is exactly, exactly it. hundred yep. percent. And I also want to reiterate like, Cause I'm sure they're going to be monogamous people listening to this. Yeah. I think polyamory is still kind of um, on the outskirts of what's normal. <laughs> um, by no means is any of this like shaming you for not choosing polyamory. I think a lot of, I have, heard, I have had conversations with monogamous people that when they talk, when they hear people talking about polyamory and talking about, you know, jealousy and sourcing your security from the inside and blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like they feel this pressure that they're doing it wrong and that they need to mm-hmm. choose polyamory, but that's not the case at all. So I just wanted to reiterate that. Yeah. Well, and I feel like that kind of comes from like an us first them mentality. Yeah. Um, where mm-hmm. it comes from again, that, that sense of like needing to present in a certain way so that you can, yeah, to be accepted and to like categorize ourselves. Yeah. Um, which is another thing that polyamory helps you break down or even, you know, demonogamizing your mind mm-hmm. helps you break down that the way we can relate to people is so varied and yeah. you're already doing it yeah the craziest <laughs> thing people realize honey you're already doing it your relationship yep. with your friend with your romantic partner with your coworker, mm-hmm. all your parents, these things, your family exactly yes. all these things are different even the way that you show up within each individual friendship is different mm-hmm. yeah Totally. You know, like I have some friends where I know that I can come to them when I am in deep turmoil and they will be there to support me in the way that I need to be supported and in a way that uplifts and upholds my values and Mm -hmm. helps me uphold my values. And then I have friends where I'm like, you know what? We're going to be in a creative space together. And that's the way that I want to show up in this friendship. And, and demonogamizing your mind allows you to diversify your support system Mm -hmm. in a way where it can actually be supportive totally yes so we can't get all of our needs met by one person and Mm -hmm. when we put all that pressure on someone a it's unfair to them b it's unfair to ourselves because we're not getting the needs met Mm -hmm. and like you're just you're holding yourself back from so much you know I don't know where else I was going with that, but yeah. yeah. Well, do you want to go on to the next? <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, so when did you first start practicing polyamory and what interested you in it? So like I already said, kind of that curiosity element, I found the word and immediately felt seen by it in about 2012, 2013. Um, 
but I, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and looking back on how I related to romantic relationships, I did serial monogamy. Yeah. Um, which, if you're wondering, that's when you date someone, and then you start having feels for another person. You break up. And so you break up, and then you jump to the other person, or even just, like, relationships happening back to back to back. Yep. Um, and that to me, you know, going back even further when I realized that I was not straight at all. Um, I'm not straight. Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so queer. If you're dating me, you're also queer. Uh (laughs) It it rubs off on you. By default. By default. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but when I realized I wasn't straight, I also in tandem had the thought of not wanting to limit myself, Mm -hmm. not wanting to only have one type of experience. Um, and so I've been advocating for myself as a polyamorous person for the past 10 years or so. Um, that has included multiple very long-term relationships, Mm -hmm. a year and a half, three years, four years. Um, and it also has included some interspersed, intermittent, um, I don't want to say on and off, but, uh, I've been in a relationship for about eight years where the needs flexed as the needs came and went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was like, yeah, flexibility within the relationship, room to grow and change and yeah. all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I've, um, well, your other question was what drew me to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself knowing what your next question is. Um, <laughs> just practice the trials and tribulations <laughs> part. Um, yeah, I really hope I'm going to be able to remember that Dementor comment because it's <laughs> drifting. <laughs> Put it after this. But uh, what drew me to non-monogamy is this sense of, like we've said, like it, how it constantly brings up the work that you have, how it shines a light on where your bruises are, where your wounds are, mm-hmm. and it provides such a vibrant nourishing support system that is full of deep intimate connections Mm -hmm. so it it brings more space to be able to process through those things Mm -hmm. um not to mention that I'm a very curious person so I'm always wondering about I mean everything from like how would I relate to that person to they're really hot I wonder what it would be like having sex with them (laughs) Like, the curiosity abounds, and polyamory holds space for that to uh-huh. be explored. Yeah. Um, it also really heavily aligns with my values in terms of the honesty, the communication, the preemptive structuring of a relationship, like the preemptive structuring of expectation mm-hmm. um, that, in my opinion, brings a lot more comfort, stability, and longevity to relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I think another aspect that drew me in that you didn't mention was just the sense of like community with people. So I, I really, um, value kitchen table polyamory where people are just at least at the very least friendly with each other. We know each other, ideally hang out with each other. That would be sick. Um, but that aspect really drew me in of like, oh my God, I can have multiple romantic relationships and potentially, you know, with my partner's partners having like friendships. And I feel Mm -hmm. like it was just this spider web of like Mm -hmm. love and community. And 
I think that makes, you know, battling jealousy, things like like the hard stuff even better because you have more support. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's also why one of the most um, foundationally helpful things about entering polyamory is finding your polyamorous community because mm-hmm. it can be so ostracizing to feel like you're the only non-monogamous person in a pol- in a monogamous world. Oh yeah, totally. That's how I was feeling when I hired my coach because I don't know anyone where I live that is Mm non-monogamous I think I I'm actually friends with only like two non-monogamous people Mm -hmm. and so when I'm dealing with all the shit that comes along with polyamory I'm like I'm alone and this is terrible (laughs) well and again here is where in lies the multivaried support system if you have a monogamous friend, you're not going to go to them to bitch about your polyamorous issues. Right. You're not going to go to them for support because they will not be able to support you in the way you need them to. No. And similarly to you talking about support, another big thing that really drove me towards polyamory is, and this is like in that element of community, but it's just like, this is like the most delicious thought to me, which is co-conspiring with one of my partner's partners to uplift their day. <laughs> That's so cute. That that sounds so fun. Right? <laughs> right? It's like planning a surprise party for your best friend. Yes, that sounds so fun. Right? And so imagine the beautiful outpouring of love and support mm-hmm. that your partner could have. So uh, your partner's partner is called a metamorph. Uh-huh. So people out there, I'm going to be using that term from here on out. So imagine the outpouring of love that your partner could receive when you reach out to your metamore and say, hey, Jack had a really hard day and he's been texting me about it and I'm just wondering, like, do you want to come over and do like a spa night, like a surprise spa night with him? Or even like, he's really stressed out today. I don't really have space to take care of him. Could you just call him and reach out a little bit extra to mm-hmm. him? You know, and utilizing that support system in a way that, alleviates the pressure of all of the support on one person oh my god that is so good and i love that that's so isn't cute. that such a tasty morsel yes like <laughs> maybe my brain is just wired for polyamory but the amount of excitement and joy that that idea brings no that to makes me, me so excited like yeah. being the receiver and the giver of that i'm like this just sounds so fun yes so fun and exactly and it's it's like making a surprise party for your best friend, you know? And, and that's one thing where, um, when we're navigating these elements of polyamory, like I said, like you're already practicing all the tools and skills that you would need for polyamory in your life. Mm -hmm. You just aren't realizing it. Like you, you have these structures there in the ways that you have multivaried friendships, support systems, different ways that you connect with people. It's just about consciously choosing how you connect with people Mm -hmm. and really activating um, your why behind your action Mm -hmm. and being conscious about how that why impacts your action. Totally. Yes. I could not agree more. Um, So I am also curious as to what kind of like breakthrough moments you've had with polyamory. Mm. So polyamory has been really natural for me. And so the breakthrough moments have actually been very internal. Um, One breakthrough moment that I've had recently is um, 
I love this podcast called Multiamory, and they coined uh-huh. the term unapologetic. <laughs> Cute. Where you're unapologetically polyamorous. And showing up in a relationship as who I am and then holding that has been a real breakthrough for me because I used to ask for permission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I used to ask for permission because I was trying to offer my partner security by allowing them to control my external interactions with my other partners. Mm-hmm. But that's not where security comes from. Yeah. Security has to come from within the relationship. Security has to come from within yourself. Mm-hmm. And that element of permission giving has really been transformational for me because it's kind of akin to when you realize how much you say like or um <laughs> yeah all of a sudden it's everywhere uh-huh. and so when I started realizing that I was asking for permission to exist as I am and show up in my relationships in the way that I told my partners I was going to show up mm-hmm. I really started questioning oh why why do I have to have external permission for this right like I am like your coach said, I'm taking away my own agency mm-hmm. because, and I'm taking away their agency too, because yep. when we try to, I think a big mistake that people make in polyamory is they try to like caretake the other person's emotions yeah. because we're taught that going outside of the relationship is something you do to someone mm-hmm. that is an act of harm you do against your lover. Yeah. Um, and so when we are going outside of our relationship, we feel like we need to ask permission so that it's okay for us to do this, but we're actually taking away their agency to make their own decision. So now I walk into relationships and I say, hi, um, I'm queer, I'm polyamorous, these are the people I'm dating, Uh, take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't ask people for permission. Like, of course I consult with my partners. Let them know what's going on. And let them know what's going on. Mm -hmm. But I allow them to make their own decisions around how they feel about what's going on. And I trust that they'll communicate them to me. Yeah. That's mature. (laughs) (laughs) It's a practice. Yeah. It's a practice. It's a practice I find myself, you know, uh, really uh, working out that muscle. Yeah. Of the don't ask for permission mm-hmm. and allow them to make their own decision because it's about showing up with integrity mm-hmm. and authenticity. Because if I'm not showing up fully as myself, then they're not fully agreeing to the relationship of me. You know, it's kind of yeah. like when we're, when we're putting on a face, I had a partner once where during our breakup, he said, I have all this time. I've been trying to be who I thought you wanted me to be. Sad, right? So sad. And I went from completely angry at him to, oh my gosh, please break up with me. Like, please stop. Please stop pretending. You know, of course, I was heartbroken. But as soon as I found out that the person that I was in love with was a myth, an Mm -hmm. act that was actively harming someone that I loved, Mm -hmm. I was like, dude like, just be who you are. Like, if, and if that doesn't mean with me, like, if you don't want to be with the person I am, that's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's also a really powerful thing about um, being unapologetic is if, if I 
vibing with someone and we're hanging out and we're talking and I drop the my partner line and they flinch and I go don't worry I can I can flirt with you I'm not monogamous and they go oh well, that's not really my thing mm-hmm. and I'm just like cool you're allowed to make your decisions mm-hmm. and even with my last relationship um I said to him I was like I just need you to figure out what you want and if it's not that, I'm going to, like, if it's not non-monogamy, I'm, I'm happy. Because I just want you to know what you want. Yeah. That's it. And that's also what I do as a coach, is I help people figure out what it is they want. Yeah. Decision making. Yeah. That's the main thing of being a coach. Mm-hmm. Figuring out, like, where the confusion is, making a decision, and taking action on it. Mm-hmm. That's basically it. Honestly, yeah. life is just a bunch of decisions one after the other. Yeah. Right? So, like... I, I love that. And I also can relate to kind of what you were saying about like stepping into your own autonomy and authenticity and not asking for permission anymore. Mm-hmm. Cause I think I'm going through that transition as well. Um, the more I've come into myself, the more I'm realizing what I need in relationships. Like um, I've talked about this on my Instagram already that we're, my partner and I are going to have separate bedrooms and mm-hmm. that's like a really big thing for us. And like, yeah. I, it, but it, it was something that I, I went to him and I'm like, Hey, this needs to happen. Yeah. I need my space. I'm, I want to be, I think in all the relationships I've gotten into, I have just merged with the person mm-hmm. and I've lived with pretty much every partner that I've ever had. Yep. Relationship <laughs> <And> escalator. <laughs> it's a sign of seriousness. Yeah. It's a sign of commitment. Yes. You're and only committed if you're like sharing house and sharing finances and monogamous yeah like that's what we're taught (laughs) (laughs) yeah for me it was just like I just want to spend all of my time with you because I really like you and I'm kind of obsessed with you Mm. which is that's another issue (laughs) being hyper fixated on people and not realizing that that was a problem but um (laughs) (laughs) but going back to this whole thing yeah it's been really liberating of like hey i'm i'm actually a a whole person we are not two people as one person i'm my Mm. own person and you're your own person and i want us to you you actually said this to me the last time we hung out of like we get to choose to spend time together as opposed to being for like forced to right like if we're obligated yeah and so that's what i want to be doing i want to be actively choosing this and choosing my own like time with myself and not having like oh my partner wants to go to bed I have, I have no to to fucking bed. space. Yes, yeah. I have to go to bed. I don't want to do that. I, wanna... I want to creep in in the middle of the night. And... Yes. No, I want to like frantically write because my brain's going a thousand miles a minute. Yes, and I want to do it in the comfort of my own bed and my own space and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I also just really love sleeping alone. I, I am learning that I do as it's well. Good. Yes, I sleep it is. so well. Yeah. Also, what I said in the first conversation when I first got to meet you in person was, isn't it the cutest thing when your partner comes <laughs> crawling up under your sheets in the morning and you get morning snuggles? It's uh-huh. <laughs> so good. It's even better when you slept well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And like, we have a cat and my cat takes up like a third of the fucking bed. I'm like, you're so small. It's so large. Yeah. And I'm just fucked right now. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, so have a queen or what? Yeah. We have a queen size yeah. bed. I've talked to him. Queen size bed's barely enough for just me. I'm a smaller. I have talked to him about getting a king size bed and he's so anti getting one. And I'm like, dude, 
we have there you think there's two people there are three <laughs> there are three people <laughs> <laughs> i need this mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway um okay so what would you tell someone who's interested in polyamory but is afraid of experiencing jealousy you already experience jealousy that coworker that makes more money than you mm-hmm. that friend who just got a better job than you that influencer that has better skin but they're actually just using a filter like you already experience jealousy honey i could scream <laughs> I so could this scream. is a very sensitive microphone <laughs> that was the most perfect <laughs> answer because you're right we experience it constantly constantly but Again, going back to the idea that like sex is this one thing that we are not allowed to do with other people. Like it is off limits. I think it just heightens it. Absolutely. What would you tell someone about that? So about experiencing relational jealousy, um, kind of like your posts that you've made about anger and how anger Mm -hmm. is like a flare. It's a signal. Mm -hmm. So is jealousy. Mm -hmm. Um, jealousy is a really great indicator of where our relational wounds are. And it's also a really great indicator of where our needs are. Mm -hmm. And the really, one of the things about polyamory that I think is really cool is that jealousy allows you to, if you allow it, to explore deeper connection with your partner. So, you know, um, jealousy coming up around your partner, going out on a date. Uh, the way that I kind of describe for people, because I I experience and use the metaphor of a wave for emotions, mm-hmm. um, is you sit with yourself, like you notice that the experience of jealousy is coming up and you kind of remove yourself so that you don't put it on your partner. Especially if you have a habit of acting out, mm-hmm. you physically remove yourself, seek support elsewhere. But first you you feel it and then curiosity. <laughs> You, you ask yourself, like you watch the thoughts in your head. Mm-hmm. So um, you were talking about sex. Say your partner comes home and they say, you know, I just had sex with this person or you, you feel like they're having sex with a partner more often than you. Mm-hmm. You can say, what are, what are these thoughts I'm having around here? And what's the need that's asking? Mm-hmm. Like that's asking to become up. Is it you want more dates? Is it you want to have a more engaging sex life? Is it you want to have a more diverse sex life? Like you hear your partner tried out spanking and you're like, well, maybe I want to try out spanking. (laughs) You know? So Uh when you allow it to not be a negative emotion, but instead be an informative emotion. Yes. Then you can actually utilize jealousy to build stronger relationships because it'll tell you where your need is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have two things on that. Number one, I think asking yourself what you're making this mean about yep, yourself yep, yep, yep. is really good because jealousy, I think is just a really great blanket term for lots of different feelings and insecurities. Yep, yep. Um, the other thing that I found very interesting when I started coaching with my coach was jealousy kept coming up for me. And he was like, do you, do you like it? Like, mm. is there a part of it that you like? Because you keep wanting to experience it and you're yeah. keeping experiencing it. And so I started to explore like, 
what aspects of jealousy do I enjoy? Like mm-hmm. what happens in response to jealousy that I might actually like? Mm-hmm. And there were some things that did come up. So I think that's- Well, because when you act out in jealousy, the need gets met. The mm-hmm. attention yeah. is given. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something, something positive is coming from it. And I've applied this to like my clients as well with lots of different things. I think it's really useful because your brain likes to, it gets used to an emotion and it will seek it out. So if it's insecurity, it will seek out all the ways for it to be insecure Mm -hmm. so it can feel comfortable because Mm -hmm. what's familiar is comfortable even if it's unpleasant. And so kind of flipping it on its head, really, just being like, well, what am I gaining from experiencing this all the time? Like, Mm -hmm. what need is being met? Like you said. Well, and also, we are heavily conditioned heavily conditioned to believe that jealousy is a sign of love. Yes. Hugely. Everywhere. Oh, constantly. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just not. No. It's really not. Usually it's a sign of insecurity. Mm-hmm. It's a sign of needs not being met. Mm-hmm. And it's a sign of control. Yeah. And it's, I, I don't want, if you are a jealous person, and you're listening to this, I don't want you to shame yourself and use this as ammunition against yourself. Just thinking that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It is okay for you to be jealous. It is a Normal. natural emotion to have. Like I said, you already feel it. Mm-hmm. It's already there. It happens. It does. We're humans. We compare ourselves. We have insecurities. They're never going to go away. Jealousy is going to be a part of that. Yeah. Just a matter of what you want to do to either unpack or mitigate it or mm-hmm. both. Yeah, exactly. And that's all your choice. Like we were talking about in the beginning, like you get to choose on purpose, what kind of experience you want to have in this life Mm -hmm. and what relationships you want to have, Mm -hmm. whether it be polyamorous or monogamous. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. And how you want to show up in those relationships. Yeah. Because even if you don't want to be a non-monogamous person, like there's so much jealousy in monogamy. Oh, for sure. There's so much jealousy yeah. in monogamy mm-hmm. and it can actually be exacerbated because monogamy gives us the sense of ownership over our partner yes. because we are their one and only. Yes. And we feel like special because of that. And mm-hmm. like if we share Because that- our specialness is derived from that. We can yes. feel special in non-monogamous relationships. Oh, for sure. Yes. But when our specialness, our sensation of specialness, of value, of importance, of dedication of commitment is hinged on them having you as the utmost high priority, then you open up a lot of area to be hurt. Mm -hmm. Or even just like, you're the only one that they can have sex with and Mm -hmm. be romantic with. Because a lot of the people that are monogamous, right? Like I don't know too many, unless it's like a very abusive relationship where they're like, you can't have friends. Yep. Right. So like, why why can you go and let them have friends but like not that like what's the what's the main difference it comes back to sex and romance comes back to sex and romance yeah well but i mean friendships can be deeply romantic i take my friends on dates all the time yes i yes (laughs) i love my friends like with a passion like so much i care so deeply for my friends which is like a whole other issue when I was when I was younger of like not feeling that connection. We were talking mm-hmm. about that earlier yeah, yeah. privately, but like I that was difficult for me because I felt so deeply for them. And now I'm like, I just 
I just fucking love people. Mm-hmm. Like, and now I get it reciprocated, which is amazing. But mm-hmm. you, friendships and platonic relationships are deeply intimate when we allow them to be. Yes. And, and the other thing about demonogamizing your mind is it returns full value to those. Yeah. Yes, completely. Like there's a lot of research around how when people couple, they decrease the amount of time they spend with their friends. They decrease the amount of time they spend with their family. They decrease the amount of support they give to their friends. Mm-hmm. And all that's monogamizing of the mind. Mm-hmm. All that is your, all of your attention has to be on this other person. Mm-hmm. I do think part of that comes from like new relationship energy. I mm-hmm. think it can be like really all The study was done on married couples. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, cause like, I know when I get into a new relationship, oh, I'm yeah. like, I just, I just want to be around you constantly. Yep. And um, this is so fun. <laughs> literally impacts your brain like a drug. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hence probably the serial monogamy. Yeah. <laughs> Feels real nice. <laughs> and that also yeah. for me tied in with um, externalizing my sense of value. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah. yeah. Socialized as women, like we're uh, literally taught generationally that our value is um, directly related to our ability to be wed and procreate. Yes. Both mm-hmm. of which I am not interested in. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Hard pass. Oh my gosh. I love you. This is great. <laughs> okay. So how would you define boundaries and what's the difference between them and values? Values are how you uphold yourself. Boundaries are how you uphold others. Values are internal and relate to how you treat others. Um, It also relates to how others treat you. And boundaries are how you allow other people to treat you. One of my favorite phrases I've heard about a boundary is a boundary is where my love for myself and my love for you meet. Mm -hmm. So good. Yeah. I just wrote a post the other, I just wrote a post last night about how sometimes leaving and setting a boundary is love. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. Because it has to be, it has to be self-love and sometimes it's love for the other person too. Mm -hmm. Because if you're in a relationship that is deeply painful to both parties, Mm -hmm. like you both deserve to not be in that pain. Completely. And leaving is how to get out of that pain, even though it really sucks. Yeah. (laughs) yeah totally I mean either way you're gonna be in pain right (laughs) so which is gonna be a little bit easier yeah you know know? my therapist said that to me and I got real mad (laughs) she was like she was like you know no matter what it's gonna hurt because you're hurting right now yeah and it also will hurt to break up yep Mm -hmm. and the thing is which one do you want to live with which one right. has the capacity, the true capacity to grow past? Right. Because the the phrase that um the, the phrase that instigated this post was one that I apparently had written on my mirror during a therapy session and it said, <laughs> Don't put hope too close to expectation. Ooh. Don't put how how you hope someone could show up how you hope Mm. someone could heal, how you hope someone could treat you too close to how you can expect them to, to how they have shown you they will. Oh my God, that's so good. I love that. It's deeply rude and painful. (laughs) I was so, she said that to me and I was like, Andrea, how dare you? 
I love my therapist. <laughs> she is my longest relationship. Calling you out. Yeah. <laughs> Calling me in. Yes. I also yes. have a whole, a whole <laughs> thing on a call out versus a call in. No, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> There's a difference. There's a difference. <laughs> Speaking of differences, um, mm-hmm. what's the difference? So, okay. I guess you kind of answered this, but I would like to hear it maybe a little bit more plainly. What's the difference between boundaries and control within polyamory? Mm. or any relationship for that matter but boundaries and control within relationships um a boundary is something that you put forth that someone agrees to Mm. and control is power over yes so good Mm-hmm. So boundary is, hey, I'm noticing this is causing tension. This is the adjustment that can be made to help me feel supported and loved. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to meet me in this adjustment? Mm-hmm. Control is do this or else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how would you go about like defining what's an adjustment and what is like you just seeking out comfort? Mm, that's a really that's a tricky one i think that really comes to um when it when it comes to jealousy and boundary setting the before you present it to the person the thing i always say is how much of this can you give yourself Mm -hmm. so with with jealousy um like for example partners in a new relationship they're having all this texting and communication, all this NRE, they're super excited about it. You're feeling really jealous because you're not getting this attention because you're hearing, you know, maybe your partner is like really getting excited and talking to you about this new person a lot, what have you. And the jealousy comes up, you feel it, you name it, you know, I'm getting jealous because they're messaging this person a lot. It's making me feel unspecial. Mm -hmm. It's giving me fears surrounding them leaving me for that person. Mm -hmm. Very common thought because there's the monogamy. Oh yeah, I've had all those. We're <laughs> <laughs> sitting here like, please stop reading my mind. <laughs> like, damn, that's all right. <laughs> so it comes from where you're able to meet your own need. Mm. Um, you know, if if your partner, like, if it's possible for you to just say, like, man, they're an NRE right now, like they're going to be texting this person a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, like I could ask for, you know, like, Hey, like you're texting them a lot. Like, can we just make really intentional time without our phones Mm -hmm. so that it's not like direct time competition? I, so I'm not a really jealous person. I experience Mm -hmm. compersion a lot more like the experience of loving another person, connecting with another person. Was that, were you like that from the beginning? Yes. Really? Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I just, my wiring props to you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I get, um, time jealous Mm. and attention within quality time jealous. Mm -hmm. Um, so for an example, I had a partner who, um, my roommate and that partner were showing interest in each other Mm -hmm. and, um, they spent time together and I was simultaneously so ecstatic that these two people that I love so much were connecting in this way. I was hyped 
Uh-huh. I was also deeply afraid that this meant he didn't like me. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so what did I do? I went through all my messages and reread all of the affirmations he sent me. And uh-huh. I reminded myself of all of the, the evidence to the contrary of the shitty narrative I was telling myself. Mm-hmm. Because there wasn't any evidence supporting that. Yeah. And so when it comes to um, asking for an adjustment or needing to set a boundary, the first thing to do is to, well, like before you present it, really try to take that agency within yourself and say like, well, how can I meet this need within myself? Mm -hmm. What can I do to, you know, like, is this just like a pain point and I just need to tell them it's a pain point and communicate that? Um, But it kind of, a lot of that kind of depends on like where, like what the boundary is relating to, Mm -hmm. because there are some things that are like super firm boundaries for me. Mm -hmm. Like, like I, of course, now that I'm trying to think of one, it just pops out of my head. (laughs) Um, But like, uh, for example, um, if my partner is progressing in a relationship with someone and they're going to move into an intimate, like physical sexual relationship, um, I don't need to know the details. I'm, I'm here for it because that's the kind of poly person I am. I am here to like meet you as a friend and meet you as a partner. Like we can dirty dish gossip, but I don't, I can hear as much about it as you want. I just want to know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that is just like basic sexual health for me. Like, I just want to know what fluids are being exchanged and with whom. Do you need to know before? Um, preferably, but it doesn't need to be like, you're mid taking your clothes off. Like Mm -hmm. for example, uh, if someone has a more open relationship style and they're like, Hey, I'm going out to the bar and I'm not going to turn down a one night stand. If one comes to me, Mm -hmm. that's letting me know before. Mm -hmm. Um, letting me know before is even something so simple as like, Hey, like I'm interested in this person sexually and I think I'm going to pursue that. Mm -hmm. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for letting me know. Mm-hmm. And then, like, then the post fact of, like, by the way, did the thing. Mm-hmm. Then that's cool. Um, but that also depends for different people. Um, there are some people that go on kind of like a don't ask, don't tell. Yep. Um, and if you're listening to this and you're on a don't ask, don't tell, I strongly encourage you to question why you are so averse to knowing Mm -hmm. and how much of that is protecting yourself from the experience of jealousy. Oh yeah. Been there. I have had those questions of like, maybe I just shouldn't know anything about anything and which doesn't work for my kitchen table poly ass. But I realized like, I just don't want to feel insecure about this situation. And that's not a reason to not because I also, I want to know, like. It'll bring up more, it it more often than not brings up more insecurity to have a don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. Because communication builds trust. Yeah. And lack of communication tends to degrade trust. Mm -hmm. And when you don't ask, don't tell, like, and like I said, like the don't ask, don't tell can be like a, a relationship between metamors, you know, where it's like, like, hey, I'm fine with you knowing that we're sexually active, but I don't want you to know the details of the bedroom. Yeah. Cool. I think that's fair. Totally fair. Yeah. Like, 
that's a boundary to have. I know people who are sex workers and they have the boundary of like, like all of the partners in the relationship are sex workers and they have the boundary of like, just don't watch the porn that I make with my other partner. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like that's the other really cool part about non-monogamy is like you get to choose where the boundaries are for you. And there's a lot of really cool resources to help you navigate where those boundaries are. Um, but yeah, uh, and I think the other part about like adjustments that and like boundaries that are important is like knowing what your need is, walking in with a potential solution, like walking in with a request on how to meet your, yes, cat, I'll pet you. <laughs> Sorry, y'all, I have a very adorable cat on my lap. Um, but walking in with the like, with a proposed resolution mm -hmm. and then being willing to, to work with your partner, mm -hmm. you know? So for example, if your, your partner is in an NRE and they're going on all these dates um, and your request is to, um, to increase your sense of security to kind of like sandwich time in between like before and after dates with your partner, um, if, if it's a day where like they're really, really booked up or it's really, really busy for them, like be flexible, allow your partner to be human, you know, mm -hmm. like you can't just like input new boundary <laughs> into program and they will just adhere. Yeah. <laughs> there's a learning curve. There is. Yeah. And there's also a self-advocacy curve of holding yeah. the boundary. Yeah. Right. Oof. Uh-huh. <laughs> people pleasing for sure I was, gonna, yeah, I was gonna say present revelation having <laughs> like that's what that's what I'm working on a lot right now <laughs> is being like holding the boundary and being like no I'm allowed I'm allowed uh-huh I'm allowed <laughs> yeah this is reasonable uh-huh if you don't think it's reasonable you are not for me uh-huh but kind of like and we kind of touched on this but um it leads into my one of my last questions is like is there any right way to be poly Oh gosh. Like initially I was like, no, but then my head also went to like, well, I can think of some pretty like crappy situations where people aren't acting in poly, but then that also yeah. kind of goes into like, if it's not consensual, it's not sex kind of a yeah. thing where like, if you are dating around and all these people don't know that you're dating around, then uh -huh. you're not polyamorous. Yeah. Yes. So that, and I think that there is, I, I have a real uh, thing for unicorn hunters. I don't like, mm. I think a lot of them practice unethically. Mm -hmm. I think they haven't deconstructed their misogyny and their um, homophobia. Yep. Um, and so I think that is an unethical way to mm -hmm. practice polyamory, regardless of how much uh, consent is involved. Um, because they're just objectifying another, it's usually, party. yes, it's usually a woman, a bisexual woman, mm -hmm. um, or someone socialized as a woman, but like, it's usually that, and it's like a heterosexual couple seeking that out, typically. Yeah. That's what I see on all the fucking all dating apps. So much, so many unicorn and, and, hunters. And by the way, it is possible for people to be in a heterosexual relationship oh. it is it is possible for people to be in a job yeah i was actually in like a four relation four person relationship at one point and that <laughs> i guess 
Um, that got complicated because of the individuals involved, not because of the structure itself. Uh -huh. However, um, the the big key on def like of figuring out if someone's kind of unicorn hunting or if they're not on first glance is if they're willing to date separately. Yes, and that's that's the main issue that I have I have personally run into. But that's like the whole thing with unicorn hunters typically is that they're not. Yeah, they're not willing to date separately, and they're typically usually. Um, just wanting sex. I was I was just gonna say it's usually not romantic driven. No. Yeah, they're not um, really interested in like wooing the third. Right. They're kind of like what's up in my bedroom. Yes, exactly. They just want to spice things up. Yep. And a whole ass human being is not there for spice. And this is also plays into. Um, I personally don't ascribe by hierarchical polyamory. Mm -hmm. um, people can consent to it, but. All full communication has to be had so someone's consciously and informed consent is happening. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because in my opinion, hierarchical polyamory is just another way that we continue monogamy. Mm -hmm. Like, and I also think it's, it's, it's just kind of a shitty way to treat people. It is. Because you're literally saying you're you are special. not as special. You yep. are lower than, you are less than. Mm -hmm. And to the people in polyamorous really, or into in hierarchical relationships that are saying, well, I just, I just wanted to be hierarchical polyamory so that I make sure that I'm the most special. I just want to make sure like I'm using it to build my sense of security. I ask you this, how would you feel on the other side? Right. How would you feel as a secondary? Yeah. And, and, the, and again, hierarchical polyamory works for people mm -hmm. you know for some people it works because say someone is solo polyamorous meaning they aren't like they don't couple yeah they they don't really couple they date multiple people kind of a thing but it's commitment but they just don't like quote unquote build lives or like have children they don't get married they don't yeah, cohabitate they don't relationship escalator yes. kind of thing um but you know, say someone is like in a part of their life where they're practicing solo polyamory and they're just like wanting casual connection or even someone that like isn't really interested in romance during this time, but they're really interested in like, you know, getting some. <laughs> then hierarchical polyamory can be really, really useful for them because then you're taking the pressure off. Like, I don't need to be your everything. We're not building this into this big confide inflated thing mm -hmm. like this is just how I can show up in your relationship but but the the tension point around that um again this is frequently hierarchical polyamory comes from people not fully demonogamizing their mind and and um still holding on to these values because Which sometimes is okay you can do as much work as you want. want yeah yeah like that's my my one of my core values on self-help stuff is like do what you want take on what you can it's your choice honor where you're at yes like i'm not here to push anyone further than they need to be mm -hmm. because that's not going to help anybody mm -hmm. um but yeah like if it's if it's you know again get curious around if that need for hierarchical is prescriptive or descriptive we have kids we share a home we have intertwined finances therefore descriptive of our relationship 
I have a lot of intertwined things with this person. Therefore, like there's a lot of importance here and I have to be really mindful about maintaining this relationship mm -hmm. as opposed to you know, the lady you met at a bar three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. You know, relationships are going to look different. Yes. I was going to bring that up. I read um, Poly Secure, which is like mm. a combination of, have you read it? That's one I haven't read yet. I'm it, working through the third edition of The Ethical Slip right now. Okay. I So I, I read Poly Secure when I was having a lot of um, jealousy issues and they talked about prescriptive and descriptive hierarchical polyamory. And I, my partner and I read it together and we were kind of, you know, we definitely have the same perspective on like, there shouldn't be an, a hierarchy when like we've made the connections. Like, like you said, we have a very intertwined life, yeah. but that like chick that he met at a bar three weeks Less ago, stakes. lower yes, stakes. With exactly. Them. Once that relationship is formed and like they have, they've made it known that there is a connection and there is this, like there's something. Once you do the define it. the relationship, yes. we're adding labels or defining like, yes. what the interaction looks the like. The hierarchy almost, I think it just goes away for us. At least it does for me. You would have to ask my partner that, but I'm pretty yeah. sure he's on the same page. Yeah. So because we see them as whole ass human beings that are deserving of, you know, having a say in the relationship and like, you know, treating them like a fucking person. Who would have mm -hmm. thought of that? Yeah. Like unicorn hunters don't. <laughs> to wrap this back up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it can be, it can be really important for us. Um, I think one of the most powerful things um, in polyamory is, especially when it comes to metamors or like new dates or stuff like that, when you're finding yourself getting like really possessive or controlling or judgy of these other person like mm -hmm. dude flip the script how would you feel mm -hmm. yeah yeah you know like mm -hmm. um an example that came up in my life once was i had a partner who um agreed to being polyamorous with me and like wasn't the actions didn't match the words they were agreed the actions did not and so that meant that every time that they met someone that I introduced to them as a romantic interest, they were hella hostile. Mm. Yikes. And one time I said to them, I said, you know, this person's really putting in work to come and meet with you. Mm -hmm. And personally, if, if I would have been treated like how you've been treating them, I would not keep coming around. No, brother. Nope. How would you feel if every time you, like I, I said, you know, if you had a, if you had a girlfriend, she was hostile to me every time I came over, I'd be like, bro, why are you dating them? Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> what? What's happening? <laughs> Do you see something different? You, you have to see a different side of them than what I'm right. seeing. Yeah. Because they're rude. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that jealousy and those heightened emotions can just cloud that completely and we For don't sure. see them as actual people like when you and I had our conversation however many months Five. or weeks ago yeah um where we were talking about me experiencing this like I don't see my metamor as a person yeah because I haven't met them yep. and I just want to see them as a human and that would de-escalate my feelings so much yes. just being able to humanize them I think yep. that is a really helpful tool when it comes to polyamory and dealing with jealousy or navigating it, navigating it, I should say, remembering that they are a person. Yeah. How would you want to be treated in this situation? What do you want from them? What would, what do you think they would want from you? Yeah. You know, like 
have, and that's why I think kitchen table is so beautiful because mm-hmm. like you can have that friendship with them or even maybe a romantic relationship, but like that support system is there. Yeah. Well, and also like, even if your kitchen table looks like, like, for example, I have a partner who um, is a comet. Um, he's the one where I said like, we've been together for eight years, but like the needs, like the intimacy and connection of our relationship meets whatever needs. Cause he travels a ton. Yeah. Now, is it likely he's going to be able to meet my other partners? I see him seven times a year <laughs> and that's, that's rounding up. Right. Like we need to be realistic. Yeah. And having, having that like connection with another person and being able to just physically see them in front of you, you can see their, you know, hair that's going off all weird. You can see them as a person. You can see all of their, their flaws and imperfections mm-hmm. in a way that helps humanize them. And that, like yeah. you said, is really where kitchen table polyamory um, is, is so valuable. Mm-hmm. Because even if your relationship with a metamor is merely, I've met them, I know what they look like, I've heard their voice, like super cool, great. And then like, you don't, you get to have as much interaction with that metamor as you want. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Coming back to personal autonomy within the relationship mm-hmm. and choosing what kind of experiences you want to have. Yeah, because the the designer part of the relationship extends when you when you start practicing non-monogamy, you start thinking about it in terms of your personal inter- like your your personal romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. But then it starts extending to your metamors and how you want to build relationship with them. And then it extends with your friends and like how do you want to consciously build relationships with your friends? Like yeah. do you have a friend where they're like, I really feel awful when I don't see you for more than a month or like it really hurts me when you don't text me, you know, like more than once a week or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, like your friends have needs too. Yeah. And it's important to check in on them. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I have a client right now. She knows who she is. <laughs> She's going to listen hey. to this probably, hopefully. And we that is you. for her. Did you hear that? <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Please listen to that. <laughs> that you have needs and your friends are allowed to meet them. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is, you were, ta- you, you asked me about revelations within Mm -hmm. Mm non-monogamy advocating for needs Mm -hmm. i mean when we get past the feeling of i'm a burden (laughs) i shouldn't take up space i don't want to be too much i don't want to be a nuisance Uh when we move past that and we move into even if even if we can't get to the element of like i deserve this need met even if we just get to the element of I have a need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just acknowledging that one exists. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then just communicating that. Uh-huh. It builds so much love. Like mm-hmm. I have a partner, like I was saying, there's that element of jealousy. Mm-hmm. And with that partner, I, after I dealt with my own jealousy and I was like, oh my gosh, like I feel scared that they're going to leave me and they're going to like this other person more than me. And how can I know? I went to that partner and I was like, hey. Um, I want you guys to be able to hang out one-on-one. I don't want you to feel like you have to caretake my needs or anything like that. And I just wanted to let you know, because we were pretty, we were pretty new to our relationship at that point. I was like, I just want you to know that like a really big, powerful way you can show me that you love me is by putting your hand on my cheek. Mm-hmm. Cute. <laughs> and what that did is it made it so, it's so much more powerful every time he puts his hand on my cheek. Mm-hmm. 
it's so much more powerful because it's it's affirming that I advocated for my need Mm -hmm. and it's affirming that he heard it and Mm -hmm. he acted on it and he continues to do that. Mm -hmm. And so by sharing your needs with another person, you're able to not only get them met, Mm -hmm. but it hits harder. Yeah. They're showing you that they care. Yeah. Yeah. And they're showing you that they care. It's like when you share your love language with someone Mm -hmm. and they act in that love language. Yeah. Like, you feel so heard. You feel so seen. You feel so appreciated. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's so sweet. It's the best. It is. It's spectacular. <laughs> Would recommend. <laughs> Would recommend advocating for your needs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Do you have any last messages that you'd like to share? I have uh, two resources that I always tell people if you're like, it does not matter what element of non-monogamy you're at, whether you're just like, wow, I've never heard of this before. People really live like this. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. Or whether you're, you know, like you've been practicing polyamory for a while. And like I said, I've been practicing for 10 years and I'm the first resource is The Ethical Slut. Yep. It was the first book I read. Yep. It not only is really powerful and like really descriptive in how it breaks down monogamy and myths and beliefs and stuff like that, but a thing that it also says is we share with you these beliefs, not so that you agree with us, but so that you can make your own. Yes. And it really pushes that element of it. Mm -hmm. And it also has activities and exercises for you to do with yourself or with your partner that really help you engage and build that curiosity. Mm -hmm. Um, The other one is a podcast called Multiamory. Mm -hmm. It is massively useful. Um, It is definitely primarily focused towards people who are non-monogamous. And like I said, the, the ways of non-monogamy are like also kind of just the ways of having a healthy relationship and relating with people in a healthy way (laughs) no matter if you're romantic or platonic or a co-worker like the way we show up in one thing is the way we show up with everything yes and so not uh multi-amory is a really spectacular resource for all things connection and it's really powerful, and they have so many episodes. If you're new to polyamory, I suggest listening to their uh, Five Common Mistakes Polyamorous Noobs Make. Mm. I also suggest listening to their seven, I, for everybody, I suggest listening to Seven Habits of Highly Effective Polyamorous People, because it is truly seven habits of people who are emotionally well-regulated, mm-hmm. because that is key in polyamory is acknowledging and regulating your own emotions and having partners that can also do that completely yeah yes um and if you're been defining as polyamorous and you're kind of branching out but you're not really sure or you've had some trip ups in uh reaching out to you know having more partners and stuff there's a spectacular episode called six questions to ask your new partner Mm. that blew my freaking mind it's so so powerful i would love to hear how it like how it came to you when you listen to that episode because it's it's really amazing and again like like i said like these are really great questions just to ask romantic partners in general yeah when when it comes to the ethical slut i just recommend it to people 
in general, like whether you're non-monogamous or not, because I think it's so valuable just for emotional regulation and like emotional maturity. Just they deconstruct jealousy. They talk about feelings. Like, like you said, this is a big thing that needs to happen within polyamory and it, but it it needs to happen within relationships, period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not just polyamory. Yeah. There's a really great line in this book that I absolutely adore. Um, I, as you can see, I've highlighted this book. As I can see, not you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can see. If, you, if you can, like, <laughs> dang. <laughs> you are on some next level type stuff. Um, I know exactly where it is on the page. It's just a matter of finding it. It is. It is. <laughs> oh, yeah. The abundance is entirely available one is really great. Mm-hmm. That one... All right, go ahead. So this is about emotional honesty. So like we were talking about, this book is just for people. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually will bring this book to um, different events. I hope you can hear this cat. She's so loud. (laughs) Um, But I will bring this book to different events um, and read it and highlight it as a conversation starter. Mm. because people see the ethical slut and they're immediately either completely turned off and walk away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or they're my kind of person and they're curious. <laughs> and they come up and they're like, the fuck are you reading? <laughs> so this is about emotional honesty and it says, we have all been afraid to ask. We have all failed to ask. We have all been irked with our lovers when they didn't read our minds and offer us the reassurance we crave. We have all thought, I shouldn't have to ask. Let's remember to honor the courage it takes to ask for support, to share vulnerable feelings. Let's pat ourselves on the back when we do the things that scare us, and then let's do them some more. So good. So good. I feel like that's a great place to end. I agree. (laughs) Thank you so much. Where can people find you? Um, I am on uh, so many of the socials as Rainbow Warrior. It's spelled R-A-N-E-B-O warrior um except for on instagram it's slightly different it's rainbow da warrior so it's r-a-n-e-b-o so cute d-a warrior that's great yeah well i don't I, I spelled it differently so that i could get all the handles but like apparently someone beat me to it and this was way back in 2013 so like whoever you are good on you <laughs> weirdo spelling things all weird and yeah all of that will be linked in the show notes so people can come find you if they want some help with curiosity but also with your relationships yeah oh my favorite baby is that i have a group on facebook that's the warriors of the rainbow group yes and that's that's where the real magic happens that's where the community oh, yeah. is so mm-hmm. gotta plug it's such that. a good community too i like I'm not joking when I say I cry at least twice a week out of love for that community. <laughs> like, I'll just like go in there and I'll just see people posting and I'll just be like, oh, I love you. <laughs> so cute. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. If you are ready to finally like yourself and free yourself from the expectations of others, I want to invite you to come work with me. I'll teach you exactly how to step into your power so that you can feel at home in your body and who you are as a person. Just head to the link in the show notes to start. I'll see you there.